This morning we're going to continue some, uh, some of the issues or some of the story of Christmas and talk about how it applies to us in 2016. And so we're going to look at the main character other than the baby himself, and that is Mary. And uh, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It's on page 1025 of using the Pew Bible. Now I need to give you a little background on what's going on so you can understand what Mary is actually going through. As you will see in the passage, Mary is engaged to her, to her husband who will be her husband, Joseph. Now, so you can understand how that works, there's just a little history with it. Uh, marriages were mostly prearranged. So here's kind of what would happen in our terms. Um, Joseph's dad would have begun the process of trying to pick out an appropriate wife for Joseph. All right, now Joseph would have had some input in the discussions, and once they agreed on who they should pursue, then Joseph's dad would go into, in this case, Mary's dad, and say, I want to make an agreement. I think our kids should get married. And then they would negotiate that and, they, and literally negotiate that because they would talk about a price because uh, Mary's family was losing a worker who would then be a part of Joseph's family. All right? And so there was a, we call it a dowry, but, but Joseph would have to pay a price to Mary's dad so that they could be married. So they would, they would then, at that point, once the agreement was made, they would become engaged officially. And that was a year-long process. Right? And so they would be uh, engaged for a year, and under law, they would be as they were married, as if they were married, other than the physical interaction. And so Mary would move into Joseph's family's house and work with them for a year. Right? Now, they were legally bound, and so uh, anything that would mess that up would be a problem in the community. All right, so all of that is going to be helpful to understand as we read Mary's story here in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'm going to camp out there just a second. Okay, um, the word there for highly favored is charis, meaning grace. And what the angel said was, is God has bestowed upon you a great amount of favor or grace. In other words, you are very special to God, right? Very high compliment. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Uh, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? Now, something interesting here, another side note. Throughout Scripture, many people ask God questions, and many times they get no answers. It is, I want you to do this, but what about this? No, just do it. Mary asks a question, she gets an answer. I think that's interesting. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit uh, will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Love that verse. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Okay, a couple of things here, and and, uh, I think they're very significant for us. And the first one is this. Pay attention. Every follower of Jesus has been given an assignment by God. Every follower of Jesus has been given an assignment by God. Some of those assignments are incredibly difficult, and some are not. We've all been given assignments, some of them incredibly difficult, some of them not so difficult. Let me tell you and make it very clear, Mary's assignment was incredibly difficult. Okay? Mary was 13 to 15 years old. Right? And I know in our culture that seems kind of strange, but that was very normal in that culture for her to get married at that age. Right? So she was 13 to 15 years old. She was risking everything by saying yes to God. All right? Because once she turns up to be pregnant, there's one of two possibilities. It's either Joseph's kid, and as far as the community is concerned, it's either Joseph's kid or some other man's kid. And either way, she's an outcast. Either way, she's looked down upon. So we need to understand that a woman in that day and time got all of her value based on the husband she was married to. She had no right to own property. She had no right to have any say in anything. She had nothing at all except for her husband's name. And so here she was in this moment risking everything. She was being asked by God. Her assignment was to carry God's kid. And in doing so, she risked not only being an outcast in her culture, but being destitute. Because once Joseph, if he decided to divorce her before they even were officially married, no man would ever marry her. And she would have no name. She would have no position in society. She would be an outcast forever. She was risking everything, literally. And the assignment came, and it was huge. It was huge because it was going to make an impact on the world forever. She didn't know that. She didn't understand that. But God came and said, here's what I want you to do, Mary. I want you to become pregnant, even though you're a virgin. I want you to risk everything. Right now, a lot of people, even in our day and time, are given assignments that are really big, that are really scary, that are humongous. I have several friends who are missionaries overseas, and I think of their stories, and I think of what they've done to go do what they do, and it's just phenomenal. My cousin Susan and her husband Joe are missionaries in Africa, and Joe will tell stories about going to villages where they've never heard about Jesus, and the villagers becoming so angry, they chase him with spears, and he has to run away. Now they're in South Africa in a totally different dynamic, but but they left everything to go there. I have a friend named Brad, who I grew up with, who is a missionary to Russia. And there in Russia, in the middle of the former Soviet Union, he's bringing the message of Christ and trying to establish new church plants. He's been there for 20 years, and he loves it. 
I have another friend named James who I grew up with, who was a missionary in Poland, who gave up everything to move to Poland to plant churches and create indigenous people groups who would start their own, own uh, churches and, and then develop new ones and, and bring the gospel throughout Poland, the former Soviet Union being, being won over to Christ. And, and each one of them, when you talk to them, there is this story of when it came time to decide that this is what they were going to do, and they said yes. They knew that it meant they were going to sell everything they had except the few clothes they were going to take. Sell it all. And each one of them said, you know, it's incredibly freeing once I got rid of all my stuff. There was nothing to hold me back anymore. There was no hindrance. So I said, yes. And as we go through this journey as following Jesus, some of us are called to difficult tasks. Some are called to go overseas. Some are called to do things that are just off the chart for them. That, that there's, what? You want me to What? But the truth is, most of us are not. Most of us are called to task to talk to our coworker about faith. Most of us are called to minister to our next door neighbor and meet their needs and earn the opportunity to talk about Christ to them. Most of us are called to see someone in need and, and to make a commitment to that person to help them through whatever it is they're going through and to be there and show them the love of Christ. Most of us are not called to life-transforming commitments to God. Most of us are called to things in comparison that are very simple. But my goodness, they seem so huge. They just seem off the chart hard. Really talk to somebody about Christ? Really love somebody who's unlovable? Really sacrificially buy into someone's life, not knowing where it's going to lead? Really give up something? Yeah. But let me reinforce this reality that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have all been called to some assignment. And sometimes it's many assignments. But we need to understand that for most of us, we make it much harder and much, a much bigger mountain than it really is. Because really, what's going to happen when I talk to my coworker about faith? Can I be ridiculed? Am I going to be stoned? Are they going to crucify me? No, probably not. And I'm going to be outcast from the culture and have my, the, the society turn their back on me? No, probably not. Am I going to lose a friend? Maybe. But probably not. And so I, I think it's important for us to see and to understand we've all been called to something. Some of it's easy. Some of it, not so much. But here's what I, what I really want us to, to notice today is I want us to notice Mary's response. Here's what she said, and really, it so models what we need to be. She said in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. So here's what Mary said. She asked the one question, I don't understand how I'm going to get pregnant. The answer was given. Her response was, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you said. 
You see, regardless of what the task is, whether it's huge or whether it's small in the world's eyes, the one right answer is obedience. The one right answer is obedience. And so Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. There's no question. God has asked me to do this. I'm not going to debate it with myself. I'm the Lord's servant. So that trumps everything else. I've been called to do this task for God. So I'm his servant. I'm in. And really, that's what God expects of us in 2016. When we are called to walk across the street and minister to our neighbor, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm in. When we're called to help someone in need and we jump into that, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm in. It's a matter of obedience and saying yes. Mary said, there's no option because I'm a servant of the Most High God. And that should be our attitude regardless of what God calls us to do. So I want to share a couple of stories with you from my own journey. And I'm going to share stories where I said yes. But let me say that there are multiple stories where I said no and have regretted it. All right? So I don't want to pretend like I say yes every time God... Uh, invites me to participate. I wish that were true, but the percentages are not 100%, though they may be higher than they used to be, right? Um, but but so, so when I tell these stories, I don't want you to hear me say that I'm wonderful. These are just a couple of times I got it right, okay? So we were living in Texas, and uh, we had a really big yard. And if you don't know me by now, I hate yard work. I mean, I absolutely despise yard work. I think grass is evil. And so, but we had, a, we had a new lawn and I spent like four hours one summer day working in the yard. I hated every second of it, right? Forgive me, Lord, but I did. And so, but I got done, I took a shower. I, I had a water bottle, I was drinking a water bottle and I went to the front window to admire all the beautiful work that was done. And I looked out the window, I looked next door, and there was a family moving into the house next door. And there was a very clear impression placed on my brain, you need to go help them. Now I have to say, my first response was not like Mary's. I'm a servant of the Lord, I will go. I was more like Moses and I began to negotiate. Lord, I'm really tired. It's really hot out there. I'm sure they have lots of friends. I'm sure they don't need me. They're probably almost done. I'd be wasting my time. Go help them move. Okay. So I walk over there, and on the way over, I'm thinking, maybe they're almost done. Maybe there's nothing heavy. It's a two-story house. I don't want to walk upstairs with heavy things. And I'm thinking, so I get up there, and I say, hey, I'm your new neighbor. I'm Doug. You don't need any help, do you? <laughs> And he looked at me and said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. It's just me and my wife. She just sprained her ankle taking something up the stairs, and I had no idea how I was going to get the rest of this in. Okay, let's go. So I help him unload, and in the process, we talk about who we are and what we do, and, and uh, it turned out they were not interested at all in faith. Not interested in church, wanted nothing to do with it, had a few conversations with them in the days ahead. Nothing spiritually productive came from that that I saw. 
But I put my head on the pillow that night knowing I was faithful to what God wanted to do. You see, sometimes we, we are on this journey and we say yes, and we say yes, and nothing happens, and we think, God, what are you doing? Well, it doesn't really matter. I'm a servant of the Most High God. I say yes. And there's a, I don't know what happened to those folks. We moved away from there. There may be somewhere in the journey when they say, you know, we've had Christian people come into our lives and minister to us over and over again. There must be something to this. And maybe that's all it was. I don't know. But my job was to say yes. But then there's other times when we say yes that we get to see it and it's just overwhelming. A little over a decade ago, and I've told this before, but, but it's just so incredibly powerful for me. A little over a decade ago, we had a young man in our congregation that ended up in prison. And he was in prison, and uh, he had been there for about 18 months. And, and honestly, I really hadn't thought much about him at all. And one day, I was getting dressed, and his face was imprinted on my brain so powerfully, it was like, whoa, where did that come from? What is that about? So I sat down and I said, Lord, I, I don't know what this is about. Make it clear. All right? And I didn't hear an audible, audible voice, so I don't want to pretend that, but it was, it was very, made very clear that I needed to send a letter to this young man in prison. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I got to the office and I used the computer because, as many of you know, my writing cannot be read if I write it. So I, I wrote out a letter, one page, single space, put an envelope, sent it off done. All right, Lord. I said, yes. A week later, I got a response. And here's what his letter said. He said, for the past three to six weeks, I can't remember what exactly the date, but let's just say three weeks. For the past three weeks, I've been praying to God, please show me that you love me. Please show me that you love me. He said, the night before I got your letter, I said, Lord, if you don't show me that you love me tomorrow, I'm going to kill myself. And the next day at mail call, he read my letter. And he said, thank you so much for caring enough to send this letter. And so many times I've processed that story and I think, what if I would have said no? Was there somebody else on the on-deck circle? You know, how does God time it that the letter comes on that exact day? How does God smack me around enough to say yes, that I'll do what he says at the exact right moment? I don't get all of that. And again, I could tell you twice as many stories or hundreds of stories probably where I said no and I should have said yes. But here's what I want to tell you. I'm a servant of the Most High God. No is not an option. And I think Mary, when she heard the angel, and she had that conversation, it's like, I'm a servant of God. It's not a choice. And so I, I want to encourage you today, as I encourage me, what is God calling you to do? Who's that person whose face is burned on your brain? What are you supposed to do in that relationship? Write them a letter? Take them to lunch? Give them a call? Help them out in a needy situation? 
What is it God wants to do? And here's what I've discovered on this journey of faith. The more times that I say yes, the more times that I say yes, I'm a servant of God, so I'm in, the bigger the task becomes, at least in human eyes. And so I don't know what God has called you to. I don't know who they are. I don't know if it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. I don't know, a family member. But as a pastor, I think I know that you know. You know. And maybe you've been saying no for a long time. And maybe you're like me with the people moving in. It's like, ah, oh, there's so many reasons why I don't want to do this. So many reasons God why it's a bad idea if you just listen to me. But really, as a servant of the Most High God, there's really only one option, and it's obedience. Let's pray. Thank you.